0: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light QA. On NPR's new podcast, Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wildcard on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa, for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars. And we're going to be right here along with you, fans, covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, listen. Get on.
3: Daniel, do you mind if I start this podcast telling the story of how we met? Do you mind? Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Because it's one of my, it's one of my favorite <laughs> uh, just anecdotes ever uh, that's related to Cracked at all. So uh, the first thing I ever did for Cracked was a a spec sketch that was uh, about a guy who had a Hitler mustache in 1930s America. Uh, and refused to change it because he had it first. For those not uh, in the and industry,
4: Mike, spec is short for spectacularly special.
3: <laughs> it really was. <laughs> uh, it's one of my so favorite like sketches this, at cracked. I love that sketch still to this day. So it was. It, one of the things I learned very quickly is that uh, Cracked's going to have a lot of like particular people that they work with on a regular basis, and so like. I was out there trying to make this like, short film of it, and it was clear, like, no, 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 just your job is to make a nice-looking, like, well-put-together sketch. It was like, oh, great. And they were like, hey, we, and we've cast the part of this guy who, <laughs> whose job is to be the intimidator, and that guy was Daniel Vincent Gord, uh, who I'd never met before. Had we even met before the shoot? I don't think, so. I don't think so, no.
5: Um, I, no. But any time I get uh, you know, a call about being a henchman,
3: I'm there. <laughs> you know. Well, uh, first of all, even in like the best of times, this was an obnoxious part to ask <laughs> DVG to do. Because I had decided for stupid fucking reasons that uh, I needed to put a burn on his face. Mm-hmm. I don't even know why. I was like, yeah, let's have a burn on his face and reveal at the end. Nobody ever noticed that but me. <laughs> and he had an eye patch. Didn't need an eye patch. And then, of course, poor Daniel shows up and he's sick as a dog. Like, you were vomiting between takes, as I recall. Is that right? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I woke up feeling one
5: of the sickest mornings I've ever had. And my brother, luckily, was um, helping shoot that day. Yes. Which Correct. was good, because I couldn't drive, because I had been throwing up all morning. But I didn't want to fuck everyone over. So my brother drove me, and I'm, like, pale, withering Uh, flesh bag and uh, ladies and gentlemen
4: Daniel Vincent Gord on the podcast with us today (laughs) yes that's correct that's that's also um,
5: Pale Withering Flesh Bag is the name of my new memoir Mm -hmm. um, Mm. which you can get on my own website Amazon rejected it
3: So, So I just, I, 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 the only reason I even bring this story up is because number one, you can't tell. When you watch the sketch, you can't tell. And that alone is like remarkable. Uh, But two, what a trooper. Mike, can you imagine either of us at this point in our careers like going through that amount of pain for a sketch and not asking it to be rescheduled or something?
4: Oh, like that's crazy. Yes, absolutely. In a heartbeat. Or I think that might be an actor's thing. But uh cool. if the shoot was scheduled for a day, even though my body is older now and the consequences would be even worse, I would feel too terrible to not. Yeah, I would always do I, it. Uh, COVID changes things because I would use yeah, that as yeah. a valid excuse yes. that everyone societally accepts. But I mean, uh, short of going like, well, we can't shoot because of COVID, um, I would certainly go sick if everyone knew I was sick and they wanted me to do it anyway I would do it yeah I mean
5: Adam was being very nice and like finding ways he could basically uh, replace me so I could go home and I was like no I'm cool I'm cool but um I threw up many many times during the course of the day and for a lot of that day I was laying on my side with a bucket because the luckily there was a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> so just a, a luckily, word to the wise. Was always a have a bucket <laughs> handy. Um, and and then he'd be like, we need you and I'd be like, okay. <laughs> Got it. I'm ready to go. Yeah. And man. then back to
3: I my could bucket. Not area. That.
4: And in retrospect, is Adam striking on something? Like if you had what had more confidence or just confrontational style? Would you have gone home, or are you? Would you to this day stay at a shoot and and power through? What's you
5: know? I don't know because I'm, uh, I know what you mean, Adam. Like I definitely like Mike was saying would feel so bad because I know what it's like to produce things and like how screwed over you get if, you know, like you have a location and all the crew and it's like oh sorry you know. 20 people like and then it's just a financial drain That's too but thing, at the same yeah. time i felt horrible like the next 10 days or something i lost 15 pounds oh and my god was barely wow. eating and, wow but you know what it was worth it for the sketch and for the comedy. burn was
4: important you needed the burn I, the, yeah, the stupid yeah, burn. Well, it was worth like six and, and a burn. half hours that he spent throwing up in a warehouse for the burn. It, the, <laughs> it's <laughs> all there on the screen.
3: Because it was in a warehouse, too. It's like, just what a terrible circumstance for an actor. Uh, Actors just get
4: ab- it rough sometimes. I remember how bad we felt for Katie Stoll with the uh, sweatsuit on the Starship Icarus set. Yep. It yeah, to, yeah like, that was bad. Stand in front of an industrial fan just to get the sweat to stop beating for a second. (laughs) Oh, my God.
3: (laughs) It was uh, brutal. But all that's to say that uh, from that day on, I have always had uh, a special place in my heart for Daniel Vincent Gord. I would have if you weren't sick, because I love what you did in the sketch. But the fact that you powered through uh, for a sketch, just, man, I admire that. Still to this day, I bring it up all the time. I
5: agree. I think that cemented our relationship because we worked on a lot of things after that. And did. also you were have always been extremely like respectful and communicative on set, which is not something everyone is.
3: I hear that. Uh, I haven't been on enough other sets. So well, I'm yeah, always wondering like
5: a director, so it's usually your right. set.
4: I hear
3: that,
5: I'm but I wondering.
4: refuse to speak on it with you or transmit information. <laughs>
5: Or listen, <laughs> or I will listen. hear it, but yeah. I won't take it. <laughs> I in. won't
4: process it consciously. <laughs> I um, refuse. Yeah. My relationship with DVG uh, began all the way back in college when I saw him limbo, uh, and what was remarkable is he did it inside, and we're back on the rails. This wow, is wow.
3: Thank you. Uh, wow. I'm
4: sorry. I speaking of discomfort one-upsmanship is the good podcast where we stay on format and I'm dying I feel like we're not delivering on the promise of the click although hopefully people were happy uh, to hear that tangent because I sure loved it But we are going to talk about video (laughs) games, and I want them to be aware of that. And uh, as you know, if you clicked, we're talking Limbo and Insight. This is our first dual combo episode, by the way.
3: Yes, Mike and I have been, uh, I think debating is the right word, how to handle indie games uh, for about a year, maybe a Mm -hmm. little longer. And this is our first foray into how to discuss them. And we've so we might do more of these in the future where we try to put a couple of games that are even thematically or creatively related in some way. Yeah. To talk about. Yeah, them. like
4: Braid and Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. You know, natural pairs like that.
3: <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, exactly.
4: Yeah, and I thought we'd wait till Daniel gets very sick, and then we'd have him on. So people don't know this, yep. but you're super sick right now, right? That's. Uh,
5: Um, how we planned it oh yeah oh yeah my my (laughs) eyeballs actually uh have turned into liquid Mm -hmm. um and no one no one knows what this disease is but um they're just sloshing around that's great
4: well where we're going you don't need eyeballs so i think we'll be all right
0: Uh, Mm. i wanted Mm. to
4: first ask what is your connection to in a nutshell these games limbo and inside well should we do the speed run first because i find that i find myself wanting to describe what they are
3: that's okay I, so i have some i have a suggestion for the format here it, uh, i it, we need basically two very short speed runs on both games but since they're made by the same company uh and they're similar in style DVG, do you think you could summarize the what both of these games are uh yeah definitely okay uh, well, normally the way that we do it is we have the guests do uh, the fastest possible summary of the game. Okay. Uh, uh, uh,
4: uh, and they, we pass
3: a checkpoint. Correct. Uh, we pass that checkpoint, and uh, you are responsible Am I doing for one or both? essential. That's the thing. I think he's going to have to do both. I think he's going to have to do both. That's Mike.
4: what we're deciding on the fly instead of ahead of time. Yeah.
3: This is such a right.
4: slipshod episode of Unhubsmanship. Ha! <laughs> This is so indie. It's perfect because it's indie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, I guess my answer is, yeah. Can you do both, Daniel?
5: I I think I can, yeah.
4: Yeah. I think they're sort of Evil Dead-ish. Like, they have a lot, and there's a lot of overlap. Yes,
5: exactly. It's like Evil Dead 1 and 2. All
4: right. Well, we're all on the same page. So, start that clock and take it away.
5: Okay, so for Limbo, we're talking about the game Limbo. You're basically a little boy. You um, wake up in a forest, and you're like, what the fuck? And then you start running, um, because what else are you going to do? You can't stay there in the forest forever. So you start running, and you encounter, um, you know, spiders, huge spiders, and, like, uh, a few people who want to throw spears at you and kill you, and, like, bear traps, and um, you basically are going through this environment and discovering it as you go and you're going through you know swamps and then you get to an industrial area and um, basically you're trying to not die and you're constantly mm. dying along the way. Um, and why are you running? We don't really know. Probably to survive or like get out of the fucked up situation you're in. Um, <laughs> and then you eventually get to some industrial area and then instead of, you know, swamps and mosquitoes, there's, uh, huge razor blades and, uh, automated machine guns and, uh, hope, hope you survive that. And that's pretty much limbo. Okay. What about inside? Okay. Inside. Inside, you're also a little boy, and you just, like, fall down this hill, and you're just stressed out, and you just start running, <laughs> and you run through, like, cornfields, and there's a bunch gonna of do, dudes. What else you going to do? Stay on the hill? There's a. Uh, yeah, what's it going to do? Stay on the hill? Not a chance. You're going to run through some cornfields, deal with some pigs, and um, <laughs> figure out a bunch of bizarre puzzles so that you can keep running and running and running. Um, through, you know, I would say more like swamp areas, and then you discover that you have some sort of psychic abilities and are able to control these clones, and then you're trapped with the clones, and then you keep going, and you find a thing that's like a submarine, and then there's this this girl with long hair and she's trying to kill you and you're like, what the fuck? And you're stressed out and you just keep running. And eventually, eventually you become a huge, uh, block.
3: (laughs) Stop the clock. Wow. Wow. Uh, what I love that. That was great. Uh, I love that. Uh, he, he's made a couple of my points for me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs)
5: You know, <laughs> plot-wise, it's hard to. It's not like you can say, "Well, you're the character." Yeah. You know.
4: And that last part wasn't yeah. even about the game. It was just a warning to, like, the Zoomers. <laughs> <laughs> One day, your you know metabolism slows and you become a huge blob. So just get ready for uh, that. Yeah,
3: agreed. Yeah, I can I can verify. Can verify. Uh, yeah, uh, let's rant
4: because I know that gave me a lot yeah. of focus.
3: So so I'm gonna go first, Mike. If that's all right with all you. Right. Yeah. Time. Yeah, yeah, we're going to pass that checkpoint and uh, get quiet into the ramps. as
4: a game of limbo. <laughs> uh,
3: I boy, I respect that. Uh okay, so it's it's not for nothing that we're doing both of these games at the same time because ultimately I don't think they're really that different. I think the thing that separates them ultimately is art style. Uh, Neither of them have a plot that can be explained in a satisfactory way. And yet, it's undeniable for me as a player to say this is a unique experience unlike anything in video gaming. The first one that I played was Inside, so I I kind of worked backwards. But they're similar experiences to me, Um, and I like the experience. To me, this is sort of the David Lynch of video games where it's not like I totally understand what it is or why it is. Uh, I could spend a lot of time making a theory that makes it all hang together, but I don't think that's why I like it. Uh, I don't even necessarily like any of the distinct parts more than other games. I just like the entire feeling of it. Uh, this game has some of the most terrifying, these games, both of them, have two of the most terrifying like death animations ever. Uh, they have incredible sound design like in ways that like horror films could even learn from these games They're just so well done in those departments uh, I don't think anything other than the sensibility of these games is ultimately going to be enduring But it is a very interesting slightly macabre uh, At times sort of like uh Alluring. There's almost an alluring feeling to it. Like, what is this? Uh, but ultimately, that's all these games are, in my opinion. And that's my rant.
4: Now, who goes next traditionally, Daniel or myself?
3: Traditionally, it's the guest. Uh, but I've, I've heard some feedback from the audience that they're getting a little tired of the guest sandwich. Okay. So, wow. Uh, wow. I, kn- I know. I don't know why they are, but I've heard that feedback. So I'm going to suggest, Mike, mm-hmm. that we let DVG end it up. I that you go second. But
4: who would eat two pieces of bread and then filling on the bottom? It's just...
3: It, <laughs> it's That's what I call the quarantine
4: frankly, diet, my Frankly, the fans <laughs> disgust me, and I, I've said that for a long time. People know this. <laughs> uh, I'll, but yeah, I'll my guest sandwich by myself. I'll go. Yeah. Um, boom, yeah. clock it in. Here's my rant, dropping down. The half pipe is aflame with my take. Uh, my rant is that This reminds me of, well, especially because in Limbo, the climactic moment before the end is you in zero gravity shattering a a pane of glass, it seems, and like flying through it, to a grassy knoll where you see a small girl doing something in the dirt under a treehouse, and that's how the game ends. Uh, which as yeah, Adam and Daniel both referenced, it's full of cryptic open-ended imagery, which I think I was going to bring up Lynch too. It's the perfect touchstone. And specifically the reason it's the perfect touchstone is what they both do, which is the same thing uh, a certain branch of abstract fine art does is a uh, all storytelling. This is the thing I think is really interesting to me. I guess is my rant this time. All storytelling is uh, that's that's visual, that's image based, relies on inference because all storytelling's truncated, other than true reality, like a like a security camera monitor. But uh, you know what I mean. We cut out. Uh, interactions at stores, people speak more efficiently than they would really speak, and yet the movie or game or whatever feels real because you infer all the stuff in between. You see someone uh, doing something impossible, and then you see someone waking up in bed. You don't need a sign to say that was a dream sequence. It relies on these like shared understandings we all have. And uh, the more resonant and like uh, impactful and efficacious a symbol you can play upon, the more of an effect you get. And ninety nine percent. Storytellers use that to sequence thoughts like to use symbols to stand in for thoughts and array them in a sequence that makes you think the things they want you to think like they have an agenda and that's why we say most art is propagandistic but something that is a genuinely interesting human experience even though it used to bug me so much because i love meaning that's definitive (laughs) um is to take things you know are very fraught symbols like abraham lincoln a pane of glass a crown a doorway and uh, assemble them irresponsibly like not know exactly what it means. Just know you picked them because they're all dancing around the same feeling and it's up to the viewer to use their imagination to fill in the space between, but knowing that there's no correct answer frees you to basically have a multitude of different experiences from one piece of art, which is a fun trick, right? You can fill in many, many different potential reads Because no one read is correct. And that can be frustrating and elusive, but it can also make for a fun, really moody experience, which I think it does in this case. And I have specific thoughts about all the different interpretations I think they're trying to evoke. But I do think it's intentionally it's it's one of those things where there's no correct answer. It's an inkblot test. And uh, and that's quite intentional. And it's just supposed to be Cool like how David Lynch will do something, and he's like, I don't know, but isn't it creepy? And you're like, yeah, yeah, it is. Good job. <laughs> yep. That's yep. my rant. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it was a
3: beautiful rant. Really enjoyed it. Uh, our third gamer uh, is Mr. DVG himself, uh, wrapping up the rants. Uh, player three, plug on in. All right. Um, let me just slide into that half pipe on my
5: belly because I can't skateboard. Um, I think... So my relationship with this game, I discovered it, I think, like a lot of people from hearing about it and not knowing much about it. And after I played through the first time, it has become the game I've shown the most people, um, especially people who don't traditionally play video games at all. And I've shown it to many people who have don't play games, who ended up sitting down, getting so enthralled that they played all the way to the end. In this in a single night. Um, and I think that's kind of the magic of the game is that I'm, you know, a uh, gamer, I've been a gamer forever. And this doesn't have a lot of the sophisticated kind of bells and whistles that you're used to having in games these days. But um, it's really immersive. And it's weird that it's so immersive because, well, I'm treating it like it's one game, but Inside and Limbo both have this element. It's weird that it's so they're so immersive because they're two D platformers essentially. And generally, I think you we think of open world games and you know The Last of Us and these other games as immersive, but somehow these are really effective. Um, and I think part of that, I think Limbo is actually much less effective than Inside. And I think, weirdly, it's because inside, instead of starting you just like in a forest and you wake up, which feels kind of passive, inside starts you in like a heightened emotional state without giving you any context about why you're in that emotional state. So, Mm. like Mike said, you're just kind of piecing it together from little bits of uh, details that you get. Oh, okay, there's dogs running after me. Oh, there's people in a truck looking for me. Oh, you know, I'm seeing shit in the background that looks like it's destroyed I guess I'm in some sort of post-apocalyptic world and so you get little pieces and um, that element of like uh, leaving the audience without all the specific information they need actually ends up kind of pulling you in as a gamer I think and engaging you because you feel like your interpretation matters more than it normally does you're not being given a story that you just have to understand logically. You're kind of piecing together your own version of what this world is and how you got there. Um, and I think the Evil Dead comparison is a really good good one, because if you don't know the Evil Dead movies, Evil Dead 1 um, and then Evil Dead 2 are the same plot. And Evil Dead 2 just basically is almost a parody of Evil Dead 1, but with heightened... Um, elements to it and I feel like that's what Inside is and to me Inside improves on every part of Limbo like mm. like the way that um, the main character moves and breathes and, and the use of music is all just a little more sophisticated, a little more detailed in Inside um, and it's evocative, it gets you to feel things and you really feel like you are this boy and you're like trying to survive whether or not um, you really know what's going on. Um, so I, I love these games. Like these have had a special place in my heart. Limbo, I played afterwards and I felt like I had an inherent respect for it because I can tell where it went and what it created afterwards, even though I didn't think it was as good. But when I first played it, I was like, I don't think I've ever played a game quite like this mm. although now i feel like like I, i'm curious if you guys will agree i felt like they're kind of the spiritual successor to like abe's odd world or odd world abe's odyssey oh. or a game like that Do oh. you remember that game i oh, do remember it it's uh,
4: tattooed across my chest right now yeah it's yeah, one of my favorites ongoing franchises is the odd world and then ps5
5: obviously is going to redo them but i felt like when i first first played that game too i was like this is a weird tone of world and the story is very vague and but i have purpose i don't know somehow i connect those games in my mind
3: interesting uh is does that conclude your rant sir
5: yeah um also uh uh no yeah that's it I, I was gonna look for a joke but um it, it's empty let me see if i have any in this bucket no you have no, i'm game
4: good because you made some good deep cut references you don't need a joke Agreed. you have credibility
3: so let's pass our next checkpoint then and uh, we'll get into the meat of the show game on
0: if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick
6: I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. <laughs> but it's been so fun, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Yeah, and and speaking of the evocativeness, just right out of the gate, I just want to say, back that up, and say, like, the mermaid creature the first time it drowned me in inside is one of the scariest gaming moments i've like tensest gaming moments i've ever had and this is a 2d platformer where the character is just a silhouette that's incredible <laughs> like the skill that it took yeah. for me to care so much when uh, daniel points out correctly like this is just a Mario game. It's the same as when Mario fell down the pit and I lost one life, and yet I want this boy to survive in the way that I wanted the kid in E.T. to make it out. Like, I remember starting Inside, and first of all, I played these games in the uh, chronological order, and so I agree very much. It feels like Inside... It's like the Alan Wake control thing, It's um, or Quantum Break control thing. It's almost like Inside is what they were trying to get at, and they finally got enough budget by making Limbo to spin up the real version uh, in a lot of ways. And just to realize that, yeah, it felt Spielbergian to me, the opening. It's amazing that they just had to go, Woods, Kid in a Red Shirt, Uh, headlights from a van and guys with dogs and you're just like right there it's like you said in your rant which was a great repeated refrainer in your speed run you're just stressed out this kid is stressed (laughs) out and that's all you need to know you empathize with the kid you want him to get out of whatever this terrible situation is
3: (laughs) (laughs) see and that's that's a that's an interesting uh contrast to limbo and i think I mean, there's going to be a lot of reasons for this, but I think this is where art style really matters uh, because the ha- the two games have very different art style. Like, uh, they're both sort of chiaroscuro, noirish looking lighting, but but Limbo is almost like watching a film negative. Both games are predominantly
4: you know, grayscale, which if you haven't played, yes. is I think you'd be like, oh, that's notable.
3: <laughs> but but Limbo is is almost like a '60s cartoon where there's things that are almost exclusively black and white and you get the shape of stuff mm-hmm. based on like slivers of light it's and like things Bunraku, like it's very dark like like
4: paper cut out art yeah
3: yeah yeah and inside feels more like a dimly lit world that is closer to our ah, world They're, it
4: feels like a diorama this will come up in my theory yes. later
3: <laughs> oh great i'm so glad to hear that so like i i i do think the art style here it changes the expectations for what the experience is uh, and I don't always think that about games. Uh, if we if we ever get around to doing a Psychonauts episode, that's another place I'm going to bring that up. Uh, but like in this case, I think one of the refinements that Inside makes on Limbo is that Inside creates an art style that does that distances you less from the protagonist you're playing, the the player that you're playing, right? So like you're much more immediately invested and puts them in a situation with emotion- emotional stakes, which is what you brought up earlier, uh, DVG, and I thought that was a great point. I think, though, that like, fundamentally, because I can see the world a little better and it is more recognizable and rendered in a style that is sort of how I see the world, or at least closer, I expect more honest or direct narrative out of it and therefore supply more narrative to it than I do with Limbo. Limbo, I'm kind of looking at it like I'm looking at a painting and I just Mm -hmm. want it to give me a feeling and like uh, when it does, which it often does, uh, I'm like, oh, that was cool. And Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily, I just kind of want all the ends to meet at the end, like all the loose threads to sort of tie up and like, uh, oh, that's what it was about, which it refuses to do. A lot of uh, Uh,
4: theories online justify the different, like, this is why it's buzz saws. This is why it's bear traps. This is why it's spiders. And I really got the feeling in Limbo that it's like, no, I do think there's a thought behind what's going on. Like, there's valid theories about yes. the game itself. But I think they were playing with the idea of, like, it's a nightmare Mario game, so... I don't know, a giant spider, big buzz saws. It, it didn't right. have... I don't feel that everything has to track one-to-one to, one to like, then this happened to the kid. You know, like Master right. Chief lore or what have you.
5: Which is quite... It's kind of hard to summarize these games because there's no uh, plot exactly, right. you know. Um, but I think that's a really good point, Adam, about the art style because I think uh, Limbo, because it is so much... Uh, like much more like a painting or animated feeling, Mm -hmm. Um, you're expecting less of a human connection and Mm -hmm. you're expecting less specific story elements. You're more like, oh, I'm maybe in some sort of dream. Um, And inside, you don't feel like you're in a dream. You feel like you're in a real life situation, which I think made it more emotional for me, um, but a little less abstract. Um, Though I think both games are ultimately really abstract which i love about them because even though i just feel like video games don't delve into the world of abstract um art or 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 don't abstract their narratives very often because it's not popular you know it's kind of subversive in a video game to be like we're not gonna really give you a specific story to hold on to like I, i looked up limbo right before i came on here because i was like what is wikipedia gonna say and it was like like you're a boy looking for his sister and i was like what you're like are you though you are um that's the consensus
4: (laughs) among internet wags and i do think i i think we'll push that to the end but like there are theories and i researched them all so i can spiel them out of what the games literally uh mean but i don't even think i think it's false to and this is what everyone does instinctively online make that the, the important part i don't think that's the important yeah, part right. of the games is like you that his sister did she, is she alive or dead i there are fun theories that are cool but that's not what i want people to take away from the episode or why i would encourage someone to play it
5: yeah it's like looking at abstract art and a, a painting that's abstract and being like well i don't get it is that is that a person and is he friends with the other
3: person or is that I'd a
5: teapot? Be like
4: that's a banana. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> I won, I won the art. I did it. I'm finished with the art. I
3: won the art. It's a banana. Uh, I I read a 10-page paper once that totally synthesized Moholl and Drive for me. Mm. Like it was like, "Oh, okay, these things kind of do all hang together." But all it really did was it it sort of reinforced the thing that I liked already about Mulholland Drive which was I don't necessarily need uh, an explicable narrative to have a narrative experience which is fundamentally emotional because narrative is fundamentally emotional and the both of these games for different reasons uh, achieve that in spades and I'm like fascinated with that as a filmmaker as a person I, I just find that fascinating um, I do want to make one more comment about the art style before I move on from the idea. And that is, I wanted to bring in a game called Celeste. Did you guys ever play Celeste, yeah, the RPG I did. game?
4: Everyone at IGN is yeah. obsessed with it a bit more than me, but I did like yes. it.
5: I, I think it it's much more medium than it's given credit for. Uh, like, yes, I, I saw a lot of like 10 out of 10. I was like, it's 6.5? Mm,
3: it's out a 7. Yeah, it's a 7. seven. Uh, I agree. So it's i bring very impressed because. So, Celeste represents to me what most game designers think about when they think about having a clever art style, right? And that is, like, we're going to tell an art style that sort of reinforces the tropes of the narrative that we're telling. You know what I mean? Or sort of, like, adds a sense of tone. Well, in the
4: contrast between, like, pixel art, which historically has been used with no emotional grounding, like Mario and, you know, Tetris and Zelda and blah, blah, blah. And they're like... If it's a little, like, 500 days of summary, but in pixel right. art, uh, it feels novel, which it does. It right. works. And
3: also, like, now now using that style also creates a set of expectations because we have history with it. And it suggests mm. that history. Well, I, we uh, haven't
4: even mentioned Little Nightmares, which is, like, the big budget inside wannabe game so it's interesting that that's already woven into the dialect like there's games that are ripping off inside now i think
3: Uh, totally what makes inside in particular unique compared to celeste is that the art style is chosen i think less because it's evocative of a trope and less because it's even evocative of a tone and more because it it's uh it creates a more fundamentally emotional experience of the 2D part of the game. Here's what I mean by that. Mm, mm. So one of the things that makes Inside unique compared to Limbo is that a lot of times the background elements will in will invade the foreground elements and become things you're actually interacting with.
4: How about those uh, sound booms? I love yes. that part. Oh, yeah.
3: Correct. And and like it, Limbo does that a little bit too, but Inside really defined that more... Uh, clearly, and that's part of why it's so important that they have uh, a cartoonishly rendered but sort of but still sort of dark and mostly realistic feeling uh, world because they need the, the 2.5 uh, D elements to interplay. Mm-hmm. So they have to have an art style where that can happen and not become sort of uh, like a convoluted Visually game design, confusing, thing.
4: especially because it's going right. to be black and white largely.
3: Correct. Whereas, like, Limbo, I think, decided, like, no, no, we're going to create a tone almost exclusively out of sound design and visuals. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also by withholding things from being on screen. That's another thing that this game does. Inside creates
4: conceptual nightmares more effectively. Like, the idea of what is this thing in the water? The first time I can't get over right. the first time I encountered right. that thing in the water. And you just like, what is that thing? I hate it.
5: <laughs> you get a lot more questions asked, I think, or, or as an audience or not an audience, but as a, as a gamer, you get, you ask a lot more questions playing inside than limbo. I think For sure.
3: No doubt. I, I because limbo, you're again, just
5: like, Oh fuck spiders. Oh
3: right. no. Yes. Bear traps. You're, Again, you're more passive narrative It's more narrative in limbo. by
4: just going, well, it's a platforming game. Of course, Buzzsaw's. That's fine.
3: Right, <laughs> right. I'm not expecting in Mega Man for uh, there to be an explanation for why they designed this kind of space robot or whatever. But what you're and really not
4: s- expecting is for Mega Man to walk into a room and there's just a man in a chair facing away from you, sobbing. And that's the kind of shit Inside has. Right,
3: <laughs> right, <laughs> right. That'd be a it'd be a hell of a hell of a thing to try to find the right weapon to kill that guy with. And if you kill know. him, you I felt become really him. emotional yeah.
5: when you defeat woodman for the first time. <laughs> And Mega Man 2. Yeah, I would have known sobbed.
3: it was air bubbles. That was, that was his weakness. <laughs> that how Mega Man uh, got a
4: priapism? He killed Woodman. But, um,
3: Wow. Dang. What a joke. Uh, in any case, <laughs> I, I think I, all I'm really trying to do is draw the distinction between the two games. Because, again, the more we talk about limbo, the more we're like, oh, yeah, fundamentally, I don't expect uh, everything to have a meaning, like an emotional meaning. Yeah. Because, it, it, and it still does the same, like, sort of creepy tropes and like leading you to things that you don't understand uh and if you wanted to have a uh, like if you wanted to investigate with your mind what's going on you could in that game but inside is designed in such a way that again the background elements run into the foreground both in the game and conceptually so Mm. you're like constantly thinking well what are these guys why are these guys after this kid like what, what? What did the kid do? Anything? Like, why is there a giant blob of people? What is that? Why is it you called know, like, inside? But
5: you know, when you talk about when you talk about narrative, just being ultimately emotional, too. You know, I know I mentioned this before, but I think honestly, like because the game ultimately it starts and then you run till the end. Both games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, there's no like checkpoint. Um, the way that you start the game matters more than in normal games and inside you start like oh fuck you're falling down a hill and stressed out and and out of breath and so you ultimately that is the beginning of the narrative and so you get put in that emotional state at the beginning and you kind of carry that through to the end and I think limbo you start like uh where am yeah, what I? What is oh. this? It's more Spooky. fairy tale like and so <laughs> I don't think so, Tim.
3: <laughs> you are coming in hot with references today. I'm really liking
4: it. Uh well, do you want to hear some of the because I agree, I think Inside invites that Quest like it makes your mind want to overlay theories upon it so uh there it's the game that launched a thousand explainer vids on youtube do you guys want to hear some of the popular theories about what limbo and insider oh yeah yeah i'm intrigued yeah uh and then i have a fresh one uh that I have not seen online, but all the other ones I absorb by looking at other people's thought experiments. And we haven't mentioned the most notable part of Insight, I think, to a lot of people, which is the end of the game is you infiltrate a lab and you merge bodies with a giant blob made of other bodies and you run amok as the blob Racking up the place and then you roll down a hill that's similar to the beginning of the game where you roll down a hill and you come to rest in a beautiful shaft of light and that's the end of the game
3: that's <laughs> yeah. great and you're like what? what yeah
5: huh so so in other words it's a happy ending yeah i guess so we think we think it is <laughs> um, uh, it depends on I mean... the
4: interpretation there's a few so <laughs> you know limbo first uh Limbo, of course, also is synonymous with Purgatory, rather than the game where you try to bend backwards. Uh, And that's more likely. I think it's also considered a clue, or I consider it a clue, that this is the first... Limbo was the first game made by this company, and the company is called Playdead. And one of the more prevalent theories is that you're playing as a dead boy... And there's a few different interpretations of how you died. One, uh, because as we said, in the end, you smash, th- in zero G, you smash through a wind sh- like a glass. So the idea is you died in a car crash, right? You went through the windshield because you didn't have your seatbelt on. But again, this requires filling in, in my mind, stuff that right. isn't there. But these are the popular theories online. Um, and your sister is burying your body and the game ends with you finding your sister. And I, this is cool. I think this is cool. Uh, so like if you had played as the sister, you would have been in a car accident. Your brother would have died. You bury his body in the woods. And because you laid him to rest that he's allowed to leave limbo, which is, you know, some religions believe that your body has to be interred. So that, so The end of the game is the boy's spirit coming up to the girl and being like, oh, I get to go to heaven now, thanks, and then going to heaven, which is why the New Game Plus title screen is the same shot but with them gone now. However, other people point out that they're gone, but they're replaced by buzzing flies. So the other theory is they're both dead, and it's not explicit how they died. They're just dead, and he was going through purgatory trying to find his sister so they can move on, and smashing through the glass is simply a symbolic representation of breaching the threshold, right? Getting from limbo into the afterlife, the real afterlife.
3: The afterlife. Yeah, afterlife. Mm-hmm. It's very... That's like a dark what dreams may come. Well,
4: and I would argue that both are true and intentionally in there. It's not by accident that it's called limbo and that it ends that way, but... Neither is explicit. I think it's very clearly both or and more. It's both and then some. It's they may have drawn that outline, but then they smeared the outline and blurred it up so it could be the outline of many different things. you know what I mean, but those elements are I, there I,
3: uh, and I uh, th- yeah, yeah, uh, my uh, my the only thing I want to say is I'm waiting until you've kind of summarized all these points to, Ask one creative question about all sure. these endings, but so well, I'm gonna wait to different. say So else. then,
4: so that's limbo, and then the part I don't buy that I did see a lot online was so the spiders is because when in life he was scared of spiders, and he was scared of drowning, and he was scared of darkness. And I'm like, well, these are just things people find scary. That's why they're the threats in a platforming <laughs> game. Um,
5: he was scared of bear traps and guns and buzz saws. Yeah, and- someone was like... <laughs> and like brainworms. He was killed brain in worms? an
4: accident at his father's factory when a buzz saw fell. And you're like, you don't know this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> a buzz saw caused by a, an
4: errant yeah, spider. So
3: inside,
4: the theory that I've seen the most is that you're in some kind of uh, post-apocalyptic, fascistic future where everything is deserted because most of humanity is dead so there's a desperate population shortage which is why society decided to create these clone drones to do all the manual labor and keep technology running and you as the boy play as a drone as a clone and that's a twist you're not aware that's why you have no memory and you're just in media res is you're not aware that you are one of those brain dead drones and furthermore Uh, There's cool clues people found. For example, the crates that you always find the drones in, you know, all piled up, those crates can be seen in the background in the forest, but in the forest, they're glowing, and in the factory, they're not. And they're saying that's because in the forest, they're growing clones, and then they move them to the factory to unpack uh and i buy that that could be an intentional clue to something or you know they're weaving mystery or what have you the
5: things glow do things glow when they grow yeah right
4: that's a st- why does I, I, it mean that I guess, I, it I, means I, the I, thing is on <laughs> i guess because it's technology light means on i don't know but they could have just made a glow for atmosphere because it looked good in that shot you know um so the idea is uh, so you're one of them. You're one that goes rogue. And the reason you went rogue is because you are You have some special affinity with the blob. The blob is somehow psychic, and it attracts you to itself but, so you can merge with it, so it as a means of escape. And at the end, it rolls down the hill, but it doesn't make it to the ocean, and it dies. Or some people think, no, it's happy. That was the end or whatever. Some people say, that one died. Uh, the scientists are trying to make a super blob. That's their goal, and they succeeded, but that one failed. And all the other monsters you fight are failed experiments. And they'll try again. And they know the boy's gonna go rogue, but it's part of a you know. So there's all these iterations of what it could be, but they're all dancing around the idea that the there's a fascistic society. It's some kind of experiment. You, the boy, are secretly a clone. And the big key to that is there is a hidden cutscene in the game where you go in the cornfield, there's a hidden door in the ground you can find. And if you find it and go in it, there's a plug plugged into the wall and it's the same kind of plug that all the drones use. And if you unplug it, the boy shuts down and the game ends so that's a pretty clear hint that they do mean that that's the one twist and it's similar as the twist in limbo because i do think the twist in limbo is you're dead and that's the twist in this it's you're one of the drones and that's the twist but the details are intentionally vague i would argue now i have two theories that i haven't seen online so i gotta deploy them (laughs) sorry to go on so long i have one as well my uh One is that it's about um, the the childbirth process, because and he's like a sperm reaching the egg, because the vaginal canal is very inhospitable and difficult to get through. That's why women don't uh, always conceive, right? And when you finally get there, he literally is like shoved in a hole that he sees light through. And then he wriggles through the water up and to merge with a thing that becomes a human. I think it's about children being born and they inevitably will wreak havoc and destroy you and replace you. But then they themselves will die. And the cycle starts again. It's the journey of a single sperm to find the egg and become an embryo or a blastocyst, I guess, technically. Um, that's one interpretation. Then the other interpretation that I just occurred to me today that I really like is the lab. Uh, in the lab, at one point, you can find a diorama that is an exact replica of the final shot, including a light that's set up to create the heavenly light that shines down. So a lot of people, everyone I saw, their brains are stuck in the story, and they're like, from the story perspective, that implies that the scientists knew it would happen. So this must be like The Matrix, where it's a cycled experiment. And I'm like, no, I think that's a clue that the lab is representative of the company Dead, and it's a game design firm. And the, mo- the reason the game ends at that moment is it's the moment you realize that the diorama set up in the lab was a level design for this level and the person controlling the drone, the boy, is you, the player, and the blob. Mm. The blob is the audience, the collective audience of everyone who's ever played inside, reaching the same ending and sharing of an interactive experience, which therefore melds your life experiences together in some way. And it's literally a symbol. Like the the game ends by saying, "It's like if you know they flashed a card in the movie that said you're watching a movie, and that was the end of a mo- of the movie." <laughs> I think it's literally just a metaphor right, for games. it's a game. like
3: adaptation. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the movie it's adaptation. Evolved, it's about it, springing into being. And the being. moment
4: that they give you enough information that you can realize, oh, this game is just about the act of playing a game, it ends.
3: It it, it doesn't. That's not a that's not a crazy interpretation because there are more things than that. Uh, like there's a, there's an alternate ending that people have suggested. Uh, might reinforce your theory where, like, if you collect all the glowing orbs or mm-hmm. whatever, you're able to sever the connection. Yeah, that's like what I'm talking about. It makes the, the, the boy shut yeah, yeah, down. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, uh, the only other interpretation I want to add to the pile, like one more naked clone, is uh, <laughs> I, it could be a Buddhist metaphor. Uh, it could be imbe- a metaphor about the journey to enlightenment, the perilous journey to enlightenment. And then uh, mm. once it has been achieved, you join the oversoul into empty, like into pure emptiness, right? Uh, it could be that. As simple as that. I, or at least drawing on that archetype. I want to add a thought to, um,
5: like, I feel like with things that are abstract at their core, it's interesting because I feel like the human brain is inherently uncomfortable with abstract art and will look to literalize things that are abstract, which is just an interesting, you know, addendum to this, just to keep in mind that, like, of course, there's going to be all these theories and, and it's great. That's the point of abstract art because there is no one right one. Um, but two things. One, for me, the the most um, the like key part of insight at least in terms of the journey from the beginning to end or what I got from it was basically that like h- animals or, or humans will always seek freedom. Um, mm. And that's obviously a very vague concept, but that was what I got from it. you' you start out being chased. And in the dark and uh, stressed out, as we've <laughs> as we've mentioned, and then you end up on a beach in the sun. And even though it has taken a tremendous toll, like y- you found some sort of freedom. And so it, that that was kind of my always like emotional journey from it. Inside down, But I'm curious, Mike, about this and Adam, the. I feel like any theory of the of the inside story like needs to do something with the creepy girl in the water like where does she fit into these oh, fan theories that, like what's that. her deal
4: they run a series of genetic experiments, the crown jewel of which is the blob, but all the monsters you face are other failed experiments, and they're running these horrible mm. genetic experiments to try and find a way to sustain the human population, or it's how they create the drones. These are the theories. Yeah, so yeah. she's like, uh, you know, a, another uh, one of them
5: that's loose out there, like, yeah. y- like you, but and one that wants to drown people. she's an extension the blob
4: mind... Then the reason they're always mm. dragging you down is just because they're trying to get you down to that plug that teaches you to swim and commune with the hive mind. Like, every that's the theory is all the monsters you face from their own vantage are just trying to help you get to the blob. Everyone wants you to merge with the blob, including the scientists.
3: Right. Which again uh, reinforces the idea that the blob is the actual agent. And I like the idea uh, behind that. It all.
4: If you're going to talk in purely symbolistic terms, a really good twist is all things want to be free. You start not free and you head towards freedom only to find out that things chasing you were chasing you towards that thing. That's a good twist f- on a symbolic level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> and freedom, freedom also still means annihilation. Like there's like right. you're 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 running from annihilation, but freedom also means personal. Annihilation, I mean, it's
5: interesting, is, but it almost feels like it's worth it too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's worth it for yeah. like Again, emotionally that's, for that's the character or that's, it's inevitable. This is
4: what's so great about abstract art because now I can have a genuine sparked revelation. Like, yeah, it like it maps to. You gain strength with collective action in political situations, but you have to subsume the very, like, fine quirks of your individual agenda to, like, okay, we can all agree, so we form a union. We all basically agree, and that's how we're going to get right. XYZ done, even though I disagree about the finer points. And, yeah, like, the formation of any ideological group is becoming the blob.
3: Yes, and, that's uh, that's a that's important that it's that it can be summarized that way because I, I have something. That's I the benefit say about it of vagueness. It is frustrating, yeah.
4: but it allows cool things like that where you're like, wow, it maps to so many things. It could mean anything.
3: <laughs> well, so, so yeah, again, it really does. when when you when you play something or experience something that's abstract, I think the question you have to ask yourself is, uh, am I having an emotional experience? Right? Like that's that's more important than what does it mean. Is like, am I having an emotional experience? And like the most effective pieces of abstract art, and I include David Lynch in this, are actually able to circumnavigate. Like they're able to get around the need for a structure we understand or can identify and get to the emotional experience without those things. And so in some ways, when you begin to define it, it loses its power. That's what makes a like a truly great abstract piece of art. Like all those explanations that Mike laid out for all, both of these games made me like the game well, less they if they Well, they make it just
4: right. a movie, any movie. Yeah, yes, any story. Exactly. Yeah. Right.
3: They they remove what you might call the archetypal or primal emotional experience that makes the the thing potent and memorable. Like making a story out of this that's coherent makes it worse. That's amazing. Well, it's almost
5: like It's almost like the you're like well who is the girl like what and it's like it doesn't matter she's a threat and it's also better who she is is not important but she's trying to kill you
3: and that evokes an emotional response
5: and that's I don't know man do you
4: want to drown I'm stressed out.
3: Yeah, I don't have time to ask her or read a placard or also like squeeze it into another narrative. No one left a journal. I have to comprehend it. Oh,
4: it's important, Uh, ma'am. What, ma'am?
5: What's your name? (laughs) it's
4: important to note. I think for people who haven't played it, this game was heralded for having no text of any kind. So that's also impressive. What an evocative story. Of course it can, because silent film did it long ago. But still, when people can pull it off, it's very like hits me in the feels there is not a word of written or spoken communication in the thing period that's amazing
3: uh i'd like to move us along but i have one more question i think we gotta answer to do these games justice and that question is uh how did you feel about it as a game the gameplay pieces of it
4: i think you briefly touched on it and you were right and you were being nice I appreciate the game for what it does bring to the table. Mechanically, I think it just brought to the table fairly straightforward but difficult puzzles but beautifully rendered and woven into this mysterious fabric. But, like, the puzzle itself, I always figured out in, a, in a, like, 15, 20 minutes, it, it, felt, yeah. it felt stiff and challenging but not like I'd never seen a puzzle like that before. Pretty straightforward.
3: <laughs> I would argue that uh, I would argue that inside the experience of playing it, uh, like the mechanics of it, was m- better. Than yes, Lumbo. like I, it, it was a little bit more fluid, and it didn't punish me for like jumping limitations and stuff whereas limbo was a little and clunkier the with And the
4: puzzles that involved amassing huge numbers of clones and mind controlling them did feel like they were trying to reskin the ways the puzzles could work, you know, they tried.
5: Lim- limbo just felt a lot clunkier and I think uh, I mean the mechanics are pretty much the same. There's uh, pretty much an action button uh, and mm-hmm. a jump button, but I think the the way you moved in inside Um, and, and the weirdly, I don't think this actually affects the gameplay that much, but somehow the like realism of, of the main characters, um, movement style, like him tripping over things or, you know, taking a little bit to speed up was just really satisfying and it's a little faster. But The
4: animations felt so handcrafted and bespoke. Yeah. Yeah. You'd like run through a room and you would dick van dyke over a crate and then keep running it's so just cool that they the attention to detail is shows off
3: very much so um i'm gonna go ahead and move us to our final sure. checkpoint and that is uh keep or delete
0: if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, Right. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wildcard on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine.
3: is a segment where we decide does this game or either of these games belong on the Celestial hard drive that we will one day uh, send out to space that aliens will discover uh, and represents essential gaming, whatever you think that means. Uh, Keep or delete? I'll go first because it's
4: simple. I'm deleting Limbo. I'm keeping Inside because I do think Inside is the distillation of a really worthy experiment. I think every version that's derivative of it, and we already see it with Little Nightmares, is going to be an imitation, a paler imitation. I don't see a better version of what Playdead is trying to do than Inside coming. I think Inside is it for that type of experience. And I can't... Like, I didn't even have time to gush enough about, like, truly, the fact that it's just a black-and-white 2D platformer with a red shirt and... I felt so tense and scared. I played it in one sitting. I could not break away. It's like an edge of your seat, the ability to cultivate an air of mystery that just makes you have to understand, and then the ability to reach the end and realize oh, that was so emotionally cathartic and fun to play. I don't care that it doesn't make sense. What kept me going was my innate desire to solve the mystery. But at the end, I realized I had such a great time. It didn't matter what the mystery was. You got me through it. Great game. I would keep Inside.
3: Okay.
5: I uh, would also definitely keep Inside, Delete Limbo, because I don't think Limbo brings anything to the table that... Inside doesn't do better, and also inside, you know, say we have a celestial hard drive. Inside is such a small game in terms of like uh, like data that takes up so few gigabytes (laughs) on this hard drive, and and gives you such bang for your buck. You know, like there's and that's actually my approach on my actual PS4 is that I'm like, well, I'm not gonna delete Inside. It's so small, Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I've never had a game like inside where i have been like perfectly happy to show someone and then sit down for three and a half hours by myself without playing and watch them play it yeah um because doing that with so many people everyone has a different experience but everyone i've played it with has been riveted from the beginning and and played through the whole thing
4: and they almost always at the end go wow (laughs) yeah yeah so trust us like it's a game you can and should play in one sitting and all you do is run around and there's only a jump and action button i'd encourage our fans who listen and don't game but just like to hear us talk try this one it's a it's a really good game even for and and the accessibility is there
3: agreed uh for my picks uh I'm definitely going to delete Limbo. Although I enjoyed Limbo, I think a little more than it sounds like you guys did. I, I liked that game a lot. Um, I am going to keep Inside. I'm going to keep it because I think it's an important piece of abstract uh, game media that we we don't have there that aren't much a lot of that. Of those. Yeah, <laughs> right. We don't have that much of that, and this is easily the most successful version I've seen. Um, and that matters. And I think what you said, DVG, about other people can watch this and get engrossed, mm-hmm. or it's fun to watch other people play it. That's true. And there's only a few games that are like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another really unique quality to it. Um, I've played many, many better platformers uh, that I thought were more fun. I've rarely felt more tense. I've really, I've rarely been more upset at a death sequence. Uh, than this game. And they're usually very quick and sort of dehumanizing, too, which is like, oh, uh, oh like you yeah. shudder. You shudder when you die in this they game. They treat um, your
4: body with no empathy like it's a piece of meat. Yes. You're like, Correct. man, treat oh, the main yeah. character with a little respect, death animation. Right. yeah.
3: Give me hyperbole so that I don't have to take this seriously, but it it won't. Like, it doesn't give you the hyperbole of no, mel- or melodrama to, it's of It's interesting,
4: death. yeah, that's a very video game thing because I don't think a movie version would treat it the same way, but like... No. One of the signatures of both games is the death animations are very realistic and perfunctory like you get ripped in half and the chunks fall to the ground and it starts over and you're like
3: whoa holy they're shit. They're also <laughs> they're fast yeah. too. They they like it's sort of like watching a YouTube video where somebody gets hurt or like you know like where it's like oh and it's just over. Or Saving
4: Private Ryan like, where the guy takes his helmet off and gets shot in the head immediately.
3: Right. <laughs> it, it, but I think there's
5: yeah. something really gratifying about um it starts you right before you died gruesomely last time and it really ups the stakes of not (laughs) wanting to die like that
3: again right it's not like again I I think Mike said it really well it's not a Mario game it's not like ah damn you turtle it's like oh god I don't want to I'm actually a little bit traumatized by that I need a second I
4: would literally wait a few seconds because I didn't want to get drowned by the mermaid again I really wanted to get through without getting drowned
3: I hated it (laughs) But I could Agreed. stop. Well, uh, we've had a great time today, oh gentlemen, gosh. talking about Inside and Limbo, uh, two very great uh, indie games. DBG, thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you for having
5: me. I've missed you guys. I know, yeah, I miss well, we, 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 you better.
3: Uh, we're gonna have you on more of these because oh. I, I had I had no idea that you were a gamer, and now it's like, well, fuck, Adam we gotta have more all the away. time. Now.
4: I was gonna demand things, but I guess you're in. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I mean, I would
5: love to come back, and I think I already texted you an initial list of games that I love. Right, yeah, That's true. Recently.
3: Wonderful. Uh, so you can expect to hear more from our friend DBG. Uh, As, Daniel, where can we find oh, wait, you wait, online? Oh, Wait. I just... Go ahead. Go ahead. Because that'll be the last thing, but I just want
4: people to... Share this one, especially because it's our indie one, and we absolutely will not do more indie ones if this gets, like, notably less views than the AAA games.
3: <laughs> Mike Mike is very passionate about doing these indie bundles. So I just wanted to say, uh, give
4: this one a little extra love. Much like Inside, please play it for a friend. Show it to he's them. Ple- he's share pleading
3: with, them. <laughs> with you, pleading for you to share this I episode. I want to talk
4: about Flame in the Flood, and it's the only way it'll ever happen,
3: so. Mm-hmm. That's true. We drive a hard bargain Mm -hmm. on one-upsmanship. Daniel, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on, uh, you can find my
5: sketch show on YouTube, Matt and Dan. It's literally youtube.com slash Matt and Dan. Or you can go to my Instagram, (laughs) manboynice. Why? That's a story. That's for another one-upsmanship.
4: Speaking of mystery, uh, I know Adam has, is it a nickname? Or I know the phrase, Wheat Boy Wood means something in adam's family and he'll never explain to me what it means he always says that's a story for another time
3: (laughs) that's and i keep delaying it yeah i keep punting so Uh, man boy
4: nice and Wee boy wood it's meant to be (laughs) (laughs)
3: yeah one day we'll have that chat uh you can also find dana vincent gord in many cracked videos that we were fortunate enough to make over the years Mm -hmm. uh not least of which is uh stuff that must have happened ralph and the hitler mustache that's true
4: but matt and dan is is the current ongoing hotness and it's very funny
3: it is very good i like it a lot um okay uh you can find me on twitter at the real gans also on instagram but don't follow me there unless you're a pervert uh go ahead and follow me perverts but only you
4: you can't find me i'm unfindable let's get out of here Work complete
0: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q and A. On NPR's new podcast Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wildcard on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.